All right, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Anything Goes. As always, my name is Austin. I'm going to be your host today, and we've got uh, Mr. Barrett with me today. Barrett, I uh, I heard that you saw some movies this week that you hadn't seen prior. Yes, I did. I did a little bit of catching up to some movies that you've seen, and um, I would love to tell you what I think. Yeah, let's go. Go right on ahead. What did you see this week, Barrett? All right, so the first movie I saw was Top Gun, and boy, let me tell you, I should not have waited this long. I mean, I can't really say anything that you and Aaron didn't already say, but one of the best movies I've seen this year, not like, not even joking, like, when I first heard a couple years ago, before the pandemic, that they were making a Top Gun 2, I was like, why? Why are we making a Top Gun 2? But now I'm so glad that they did, just... They did it in such a way that it didn't feel like a soulless cash grab. It felt like it was honoring the old one while try, trying to still give us something new and, you know, a perfect send-off for some real-life things that have happened with Val Kilmer and that scene with him and Tom Cruise was just perfect. So I normally don't rank movies as high, but, like, I saw Top Gun last week and I'm still feeling high off of it, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, Top Gun was fantastic. Uh, obviously, was we so talked good. about it a few weeks back, but I still love that movie so much. God, it's so good. I, I would probably go see it again while it was still in theaters, honestly. I think I might, too. Um, okay, so moving on to another good movie, but not quite as good. I saw Black Phone, which Austin talked about last week. And um, can I get into a few spoilers now that it's been out for a little bit longer? Yeah, so uh, spoiler warning now for if you have not seen Black Phone, Barrett is about to spoil it for you. So Black Phone was was a pretty good horror movie. Um, I to me it felt like it couldn't really decide if it wanted to be like like a people are bad horror movie or like a supernatural horror movie. There was kind of a good mix of both, and I think I kind of liked that. Like. The main draw of the movie, of course, is the black phone itself, and he gets to talk to the ghosts of the kids that were murdered before him, and of course that gives the movie a paranormal aspect, but the main thread of the movie was not paranormal at all. It was just a crazy guy, and Austin, you said it last week, Ethan Hawke was the perfect crazy guy. He was great. I love him now. Like, I, I did not know who he was last year, but he's now up in one of my favorite actors at the moment i mean he he was great in moon knight and now he did black phone and like mm-hmm. and he's been austin a good ethan hawk movie you need to watch is training day it won an oscar it's okay. it, it's can't remember what year it came out in early 2000s but it's ethan hawk and denzel washington anyway pretty good movie anyway back to black phone i, I enjoyed it a lot um I thought the child actors did a pretty good job, and you don't always get that from child actors. And, of course, they get a pass because they're children. But I think the little girl, the sister, I think she was great. Um, I really liked how they gave the dad some dimensions because horror movies love to make, like, grown-ups bad. Like, if you've ever seen any Stephen King movie, he always makes the grown-ups just, like, awful. And it kind of looked like that's what they are going to do with their dad. Like, he was just a piece of crap child abuser. And he is. I'm not going to say that he's not. We did get a pretty vivid scene of him smacking the crap out of her with a belt. But you get to kind of see why he's like that and why he's so protective of his kids because of what happened in the past. And I like that there were some dimensions giving given to a side character. So overall, I'm not the biggest horror fan movie out there, but I really did enjoy this movie. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. That's kind of like yeah, a good so- middle score for me. 
one of the things that I took away from it was um, I do really hate the cliche of horror movies in that the parent, at least one parent, if there is only one or if there's two, um, is going to be, you know, an alcoholic or a drug addict or is going to be a child abuser. And, you know, that is starting to get old for me. But like you said, the way that they sort of gave him depth, give the backstory on why he's that way. It was a a sort of fresh spin on that, which I did appreciate uh, quite a good bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw two pr- pretty good movies. I really enjoyed both of them. Austin, did you see a TV show this week? You know, I did. And um, this will probably be one of our shorter episodes because the only movie in the theater this week uh, was Minions, The Rise of Brew. And... I have never seen any of the Despicable Me's. I have no interest in seeing any of the Despicable Me's. So Minions had nothing for me as far as value goes to go to the theater. Uh, but I did watch uh, episode four, I believe, of Miss Marvel this week. So what did you think about it? I hated it, actually. You I, hated it? I hated it. Um, I, think right. it was my, I think it was my least favorite episode of any marvel show up to this point wow okay Um, i just all right the beginning where you know they're flying to pakistan it's whatever um it's kind of a slow start to the episode and then we meet this guy um from or either his name is red dagger or he's part of a group called the red daggers i think the group is red daggers but yeah they don't they don't explain that very well at all. They use the red daggers as a way to sort of explain um, the, what are they called? The clandestines and what they're trying to do um, as far as going back to their home. And then them going back to their home means somehow that they're going to destroy our universe or something. I, I thought that the explanation was very bad. It's why I can't explain it to you right now. Um, I've, I watched the episode twice, and I'm still super confused on the entirety of the Red Daggers and of why they're even a part of this scene or of this episode. Um, and it gets even worse when we get to sort of the end of the episode, and there's this chase scene, which is not compelling to me at all. Um, I just I feel no emotion during this. I, I want to get excited about a chase scene, but I just don't. Um, and then they kill off one of the Red Dagger characters whose name I don't even know yet. I can't remember what his name is because I was I that uninterested in those characters. I think it might have been Walid. That sounds right. Um, but, I mean, that being said, I just – I had no connection to this episode. I had no emotion in this episode. It did nothing for me um, to add to anything for this series. And that is why it's probably my least favorite of any of the Marvel shows. I hear you, and I have to agree with you on several parts. I mean, that chasing at the end, don't know who that was for because it wasn't for me. Um, the whole Red Dagger thing was a little confusing, and it's like, oh, he's helping her because he knew her great-grandmother, but how did he know her? Right. And all the stuff with the dimension explaining, like it's kind of what I'm getting at from last week where it's just like each of these Marvel shows introduces whole new, like, big bad or like other dimension 
And I kind of just want a self-contained story. Like this show started so strongly with like focusing on Kamala Khan and her struggles in her life. And I kind of wish it would have kept going that way instead of like throwing her into this plot. And one of the biggest problems I had with this episode is it shows the clandestine escaping from prison. And then they're all of a sudden in Pakistan. In Pakistan. Yep. Don't know how they got there. Don't know. Did they quick travel? Like, where was the prison at? Like, the prison was probably in the U.S., right? Had to be. I would and imagine. And how do these four fugitives get on a plane? Yeah, that that was another question of mine. Not only that, but um, you would think that the American government would know if Kamala Khan was getting on a plane since they were trying to get after her. Um nothing with the government as far as her concerned there's the only scene where the department of uh, damage control is even there is when they escape from the prison yeah and another problem i had is we've seen that kamala's mom can be pretty strict so it's funny to me that all it took was a phone call from the grandmother saying hey y'all need to come to pakistan and they just dropped everything and went to yep. pakistan and, right and now the mom wants wedding, yeah, now the mom wants the grandma to come live with them in the United States as well. So it was, just I mean, a, it was a very strange episode. Yeah, and I hate when Marvel shows and you know any Disney Plus show for that matter do this when there's only like two episodes left. Like they set up all this junk, and they have to resolve it so quickly. And you know, it being a TV show and all, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a small, self-contained story. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be this huge globe-trotting, oh, other dimensional beings. It doesn't have to be that. You know, our villains don't have to have all this death. It could have just been a nice, simple, fun story of Kamala learning how to use her powers and stopping some kind of small-town crook. Yeah. Fully agree. Um, another thing that was very, like, something that I noticed a bunch when I was watching it the second time was everything that I did not like about Miss Marvel as a character prior to this show was showing itself um i can't stand her humor and that's not to say anything against the actress or like the way that they've written because that's how her character is i just can't stand it personally she she just acts like a little girl to me and it it gets on my nerves well austin can uh, i tell you something she is a little girl i know she is. I, I, again not saying anything against the actress because that's how the character is but it's one of the issues that I have with Miss Marvel as a character. Now, to counter that, one good thing I liked about the episode is I did like her kind of budding relationship with the Red Dagger guy. Now, I knew the old guy's name, but the young guy's name, it was something... She made a joke about it because it meant she something did. in her. Sloth something. No, Sloth Baby was her name. Um, it was. I can't remember exactly meat. what Minced meat yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was Whatever was the word name. for minced meat is. But anyway, I liked their little banter back and forth, and I kind of liked their little play fight that they had when they first encountered each other, where I don't really feel like they were trying to hurt each other, but they were kind of testing each other, like he was just throwing the knives, and she was like making her constructs and stuff. Um, so I liked that, and I, I'm i excited to see where he comes forward, and there could be an interesting like love triangle between um, Kamran, him, and Kamala. Which could be interesting, I guess. And the and the white kid whose name I can't remember at the moment. Oh man, it's a love square. Yeah, I forgot it's, about Bruno. Yeah. It just yeah, Bruno. Yeah, what Thank happened you. to Bruno? Um, he wasn't even in this episode. Well, he didn't go to Pakistan, but yeah, yeah. Well, 
I, yeah. I guess Kamran kind of has to be out of the picture now because he's her great uncle, if my math is right. If if he's Aisha's son, and she's Aisha's great granddaughter, Kamran is Aisha's son. Didn't isn't that what we learned? Or am I am I thinking he's of the that other woman's son? There's another woman. Yeah, the bad guy. That's not her grandma. Her grandma is okay. MIA right now. We don't know where she is. I thought no, 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 no. She was one of the clandestines. She's the one that struck the. That's not her. That's not her Wait. grandma. That's her grandma's friend. Her grandma's okay. MIA right now, dude. We haven't seen her. I think this discussion right here says that they've not done enough explaining in this show. <laughs> apparently, I'm lost, and I've watched every episode twice. Closing thoughts. I mean, Miss Marvel started off really strong. First three episodes, great. But I have to agree with you. This episode dropped the ball. I hate to be right, but it's the Disney Plus episode yep. three, four slag where they have to do all this exposition. They have to explain everything for the final two episodes. And I just wish they would get out of this formula. Yeah, very much agree. Um, now, something exciting. Uh, next week, we get Thor. And... I at least just finished a Marvel binge this week um, to prepare myself for Thor. And Barrett is on his way to finishing his as well. I'm going to do a ranking of all of the Marvel movies, not shows, but just movies next week after we watch Thor. And I'm going to put Thor in there at some place. So if you're listening... Come back next week for a very exciting episode because I know that Marvel rankings are things that get people very riled up. I wonder how close ours will be to each other. They, if it's anything like our Star Wars ones that are about to be, it's not going to be close at all. Also, you, you could have Guardians of the Galaxy 2 near the top, but I'm going to want to fight you about it. <laughs> That's a great movie. Anyway, I'll save it for next no. week. So what did you say about a Star Wars list? Yeah, uh, spoiler warning. Um we, now that Kenobi is a week old, uh, we're going to rank our favorite Star Wars movies and shows that are live action. So this is not um, Clone Wars or Bad Batch or any of those, but only the live actions. Um, there's 14 yeah. of them, so this is going to take a while, but I'm excited for it, and I think it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, disclaimer, if it was all Star Wars projects, like TV shows and stuff... Clone Wars and Rebels would be pretty close to the top for me. But like Austin said, this is just the 14 live action stuff. Austin, are we going to do it like we did with Jurassic Park and uh, start at the bottom? Oh, well, we're definitely going to start at the bottom. Uh, Do you want to do all of your list first or do you want to go back and forth like we did? I kind of like what we did with Jurassic Park where we We, kind of went back and forth and and we slowly got to see. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So I just have a list, uh, 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. But in different stages of the list, I have made categories of the movies. The Ooh. first category, since we're going from bo- from bottom to top, is could have lived without this. Mm-hmm. The second category is, well, it's Star Wars. <laughs> the third category is good. And the fourth category is great. And those are the four categories that I put, uh, that I structured my list on. I don't hate those, actually. I think looking at mine, I can definitely put mine in those categories, those same categories. 
And I'll, when we go through them, I'll let you know uh, where the category ends and starts. So yeah, would yeah, you yeah. like to go first with number 14? I will. Um, so my number 14, we talked about this a little bit um, in the one episode where we sort of blew up about the prequels. <laughs> uh, my number 14 is The Last Jedi. I think it absolute it by itself ruined the sequel trilogy. Um, there was no good plot. I mean, there was no direction that everything about it. I just hated, um, and will continue to hate. And that's why for me, it's at the very bottom and it's in my, I would even throw this in the, throw it in the garbage category, like never bring it up again. Um, but for our purposes here, it's the, I can live without it category. All right. I disagree with that, but we'll get to that later. All right. My number 14 is Rise of Skywalker, and this is the first movie in my could-have-lived-without-this list. Now, you might be confused. How could I put a main trilogy movie in the could-have-lived-without-this? Well, it's because that movie stunk. It was garbage. I have very um, varying points about The Last Jedi than Austin, and I'll get into that later, but... I have to say this to make my argument for Rise of Skywalker make sense. Rise of Skywalker should have respected the choices that The Last Jedi made. It just it just hurt my soul when I watched that movie. And just almost immediately, all the choices that Ryan Johnson made in The Last Jedi were just retconned. Oh, Rose Tico is a character. She's probably going to be really important. Hey, Rose, are you going to come with us on this adventure? No, I'm going to stay here and not be in the movie. <laughs> and, hey, uh, Ray's not anybody. Isn't that kind of a compelling idea? Well, actually, <laughs> she's, the, she's the granddaughter of Palpatine. How did Palpatine come back? Somehow. I just can't forgive any of that. So that's why this is the very bottom, my least favorite Star Wars thing. I told you this before, but when I did a Star Wars rewatch, I got through all nine mainline movies but when i when i was on number nine on this one i only made it halfway through because i just just could not do it again so there you go that's my number 14 well okay i'll use that to segue into my 13 my 13 is rise of skywalker and <laughs> um for all the points that you mentioned but just because I think personally that it was forced to do that because of how terrible Last Jedi was. We had a very good villain in uh, Supreme Leader Stoke. They killed him. Um, so who is our villain now? We have no idea. They had to make one up for Rise of Skywalker. And I think really the most unforgivable part of this movie is them creating the giving life away force move that if you really think about it, could have been so crucial in any other part of the Star Wars franchise. But like on. Say, let's just throw it in now. Um, yeah. Rise of Skywalker, to me, is this bad because Last Jedi was that bad. And that's why, to me, it's only one spot above. Okay. All right. Going to my 13, I might... I know people don't like this thing, but I think... I might catch some flack for putting it this low on the list, but number 13 for me is the book of Boba Fett. And the reason that is, is I, no surprise to anybody listening, am a huge Star Wars nerd. Always have been. I can remember a time, not that long ago, actually it is kind of long ago, about 10 years ago, 
where I was just so hungry for anything Star Wars. And this was before the Disney takeover. This was before I knew more Star Wars was coming. So I devoured every piece of Star Wars book or comic I could get my hands on. And the character of Boba Fett that was created for the Legends universe, just this this hard man, this like this ruthless bounty hunter that we were hinted at in the original trilogy but really got fleshed out in these books and comics, I loved it. And in Mandalorian Season 2, we get to see a glimpse of Boba Fett, and I loved what we saw. He was going hard. He took out like a whole battalion of stormtroopers by himself. He threatened to kill Grogu just to get his armor back. And I'm like, this is Boba Fett. This is awesome. And then we get the book of Boba Fett, and we don't get any of that. We don't get ruthless Boba Fett. I was very intrigued with the idea of him being a crime lord, but the fact that he's this goody two-shoes crime lord that barely does any crime, I just, I don't like it. And the show almost got me with like the Cad Bane stuff, and that could have been so cool, but Cad Bane should have been in it before the second to last episode. He should have been built up as a villain. We should have known the history between Cad Bane and Boba because there is history. There's a lot of history between them, but we don't get any of it. We just get like a little talk between the two of them, and then Boba Fett kills him. They brought Cad Bane all the way from the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch just to kill him in his first live-action appearance. And that could have been fine. That could have worked. But they didn't earn it. Now, this is going to sound crazy. Book of Boba Fett's number 13, but some of my favorite Star Wars stuff ever comes from this show. And that's the... um. Luke training Grogu stuff. I really liked it. But why was that in a Boba Fett show? That's all I got to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how long we keep this up. My number 12, so you're going to get no flack from me for putting it at 13. My number 12 <laughs> is Book of Boba Fett. Um, and for, again, most of the reasons that you said, um, the best parts about this show were the Mandalorian cameos that had nothing to do with Boba Fett or the book of Boba Fett as a show. Um, he became a crime Lord in the sense that he was almost a sheriff and just policing <laughs> other people's crime, which is the worst kind of crime Lord. I think you could ever be. I just, I did not like this show. I watched the finale of this show and I was like, this is terrible because you know, you just think about it from sort of a, an action fan standpoint. The entire finale was action, get away, action, get away, more action. Did you think there was enough action? Nope, we're going to give you more. And it was, it, it just made, made no sense. It They just kept coming with more stuff and then more, oh, here comes Mandalorian to save the day. And then it's, it is not a good show. I hated it personally. It's why it's number 12 for me and number 13 for you. Um, Book of Boba Fett, it's awful. Sorry. Well said. Well said. All right. Book of Boba Fett was the last thing in my could have lived without category. There was only two things in it. Now we're moving I'm, into I'm still my... in that category, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm still there. Now I'm moving on to my, well, it's Star Wars category. All right. So my number 12 is Solo. I don't hate Solo, but as you can see, I don't really love it because it's number 12. So, Solo was a pretty... I don't even know what to say about Solo. Like, it was intriguing, and I have to say, I'm glad that 
they were not afraid to recast Han Solo. We're way past that now, as you can see with the Book of Boba Fett having a CGI monster face Luke Skywalker. So that's never going to happen again. So I appreciate that we got to see a Han Solo movie with a different actor. And I think Alden Ironreich, I think that's his name, did a good job. I think he did a really good job. And th that movie had some really good charm. Now, my problems with it come from kind of how it was directed and made. Like, it's just a very bland-looking movie, and a lot of the shots in the Falcon are so dark, you can't really see anything. The whole Lando was in a relationship with his droid thing, that was just not very entertaining to me at all. And I liked seeing Chewie, because a big problem I have with Star Wars outside of the original trilogy is they don't know what to do with Chewbacca. They have no idea what to do with Chewbacca. He's just there. He is just there. But Solo, he felt like a character again. He felt like his own thing. Like when he interacted with those other Wookiees and he got to meet Han Solo, I like that. Um, but that's not enough to save this movie because this movie did not make any sense. The Darth Maul cameo at the end, what the heck was that? I mean, hardcore Star Wars fans know Darth Maul is still alive, but your mainstream movie audiences, they don't know. So when you throw Darth Maul at them, they're like, what is that? They would have to watch, at that point, a children's, not a, not even a very mainstream TV show, but a children's show where Darth Maul came back. So, this movie could have been good, and I hate that it wasn't because it, because it wasn't good. We get Disney Plus shows instead of movies now, because this is what killed it. Am I screen sharing, and you just are reading my list is, is that what's I'm happening not. right now? No. Okay. Well, my 11 is Solo. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, but specifically the Lando one is what throws me off the most. I hate that he is in a relationship with a droid. I don't know how it works. I don't want to know how it works. It's gross. It makes no sense. I hate it. Um, I didn't like most of the characters in this movie. Um, I actually watched this. It would be either Spring Break or Summer 18 whenever it came out. And I vowed to myself to never watch it again because it was that big. <laughs> and so I haven't. And it, again, is part of my, uh, my what is it, can't live without, or can live without it category. Yeah. I, I can live without this movie. I think it stinks. Um, and it's why it's 11 for me. All right. And I think th this is the last one for me in the uh, I can live without it, I okay. think. Maybe one more. The next one's on the fence. All right. I, I really hope our, our list diverge here soon. I don't I think so. it's going to with this next one. But <laughs> so number 11 for me, still in the well is Star Wars category, is Attack of the Clones. There is a little bit of divergence, but not much. Okay. Good, 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 good. Okay, so Attack of the Clones. Everyone... To our seven listeners who listen every week, you know how I feel about the prequels. You know that I love the prequels, and I even was on record saying that I hold the prequels up with the original trilogy, and some people didn't like that. Um, anyway, you might be surprised to see Attack of the Clones so low on this list at number 11. Well, that's because I'm not dumb. I can recognize a bad movie, and there are some really good parts in Attack of the Clones, and in fact, I've even read the original script for Attack of the Clones because it's available online, and it's so much better than the movie we got because, like, the romance between uh, Anakin and Padme is so much more fleshed out. There's some more um, information. I mean, they don't just talk about sand the whole time? It's, oh, God. it's more than that? 
Yes. Thought it could never and, be. Um, they talk a little bit more about Dooku and his fall from the Order. But overall, this movie is just... It's just not good. Hayden Christensen is a wonderful actor. We all just saw it in Obi-Wan. He is good. He knows what he's doing. But he can't help the lines that he has given and the direction that George Lucas gave him. I love George to death. But dialogue is not his strong suit, and it really, really shows in this movie. There is just too much time that is taken up with just bad dialogue to enjoy this movie to the fullest. There are some really cool things. The arena fight will always be one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars. So cool. I loved seeing like a bunch of Jedi in one fight together. Like you don't see that anywhere else except for right here. And that's cool. And yeah, it's number 11. I don't know what else to say. It just, it's not, it's, it's Star Wars. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a, a decent segue for my it's just Star Wars beginning of this category. Uh, my number 10 is The Phantom Menace. We talked about this um, a little bit. Apparently, Padme and Anakin are much closer in age than you are led to believe in this movie. And I think that that is a major fault of this movie. If they had made it seem like Anakin and Padme were actually close in age, which they appear to be later in the in the prequel trilogy... Maybe it saves it a little bit, but um, I think that with that being a very big issue for me, as well as the entire existence of Jar Jar Binks in this movie, um, The Phantom Menace for me is just, it, it's not very good. It's my least favorite of the six originals, and it's it's number 10 on my list. Okay. All right. Number 10 on my list, and this is the last movie in the Well, It's Star Wars category, is The Last Jedi. So, Austin, you might be a little disappointed in me that The Last Jedi is not on the very bottom. It's at number 10, and I will tell you why. I don't think that this is a bad movie. I don't. There are are some stuff I... There's a lot of stuff I don't like. I could have done without the entire... Rose and Finn subplot. I mean, for Christ's sake, Finn is a child soldier. And Rose is telling him that war is bad. He knows war is bad. He's a child soldier who escaped from the First Order. He knows war is bad. So I hated all that. I hated her lecturing Finn on the troubles of war when he probably should have been the one lecturing her. But besides that, let me talk about the good things. Because you've already talked about all the bad things. I thought it was really compelling that Rey didn't come from anybody. I don't think you should have to come from somebody to be powerful. I think that's just the will of the Force. And I thought it was cool that she was just some random scavenger who has this connection with the Force, and she's thrust into this role. I liked that. I liked it a lot. I also liked the budding relationship between her and Kylo Ren. I liked... What The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi did with Kylo Ren changing what we know on its head. Instead of a good character being tempted by the dark, we have a dark character being tempted by the good. And that was a very compelling idea. And I think The Last Jedi did a good job with it. You get this little slimmer of hope when he portrays Snoke 
and helps Ray. You're like, oh my god, he's going to do it. But then he doesn't. He stays bad. And that could have gone somewhere really great. But it didn't. I'm not a huge fan of what they did with Luke. There's a lot of different things I, I wish would have been done with Luke. So I'm not going to say much about that. Because that's like my least part, favorite part of the film. Um, So I still don't think The Last Jedi is a very good film. I mean, it's in my uh, Star Wars category, but I think it's I think it's better than most people see, um, just because of all those subversion of expectations. Yeah, but that's all I, I agree. Got. Not even just the Finn and Rose subplot; the entire Finn subplot, where they took him from um, Force Awakens, where you think he might possibly get to be a Jedi when he picks up the lightsaber. And they just throw him away like he's nothing for the rest of the trilogy. I really hated oh, that. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to that. We'll get to I, that. I was, I was excited for that. Um, so leading to my number nine, I said that there wasn't much divergence, but there was a little. That's where Attack of the Clones is for me. I like all of Attack of the Clones except for the romance scenes. And I think I said this when we were talking about the prequels. I enjoy the Jango Fett scene. I enjoy Obi-Wan chasing him around. I enjoy the Geonosis fight. I enjoy the Count Dooku fight. I enjoy getting to watch um, Anakin grow up in a more mature Jedi setting. It's just the romance that drops it for me so hard. Um, I hate sand. It's rough and coarse. and It's the worst romance dialogue I've ever heard in my life. And that's why it, it, it takes this movie from where it would probably be somewhere around number five or six, and it drops it all the way down to nine for me. Okay. All right, my number nine. And this is the first Star Wars thing I have in the good category. Is the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So, Obi-Wan's at nine for me. I loved the last episode of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. That is what I had been waiting for since they announced it was coming. But the five episodes before that just do not justify their existence to me. I'm not going to say much about this because we've literally been covering the Obi-Wan show the entire time we've been doing this podcast. So you know how I feel about it. But it's number nine. It, it gave me some really good stuff, but it made me sit in some bad stuff to get to it. So that's my number nine. Yeah, fully agree. It's my number eight, the Kenobi show. <laughs> if if I ranked just the Kenobi finale, it would be in my top three. If I ranked the five shows preceding the finale, it would be probably below Last Jedi. And, and that's just why the show sits sort of in the middle. Um, it has an outstanding finale with a terrible preceding uh, rest of the series. All right, so my number eight is The Phantom Menace. And it is my, yeah, it's my number eight. So I love The Phantom Menace. I grew up when these movies were coming out, as did you. So, of course, we're probably both blinded by a little bit of nostalgia. But I can watch The Phantom Menace, like, all the time. Like, not as much as I can some of these movies up the top of my list, but I can rewatch Phantom Menace a lot. What really makes Phantom Menace fun for me is I love Qui-Gon Jinn 
People say Liam Neeson did not do a very good job in this movie. I disagree. I think he was a great Qui-Gon Jinn. I love seeing... Qui-Gon was our first viewpoint of the Force in this new trilogy. We've been told about it by Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've been told about it by Yoda. But now we get another wise old master to tell us about it. And Qui-Gon represents a different part of it. Where Obi-Wan... And the New Hope is kind of like the tactical part of it. Like, what can you do to use this to help others? You know, Yoda is like, how can you use this to help yourself? And Qui-Gon comes at it with more of a bigger picture, more of a how does the Force fit in everything? And you get that from, from this movie, and I love it. And Darth Maul is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, and this was his introduction, and he was just so cool. Like... The double lightsaber and, like, the Ray Park action. The f I mean, that is that is tied for number one best lightsaber fight in all Star Wars is Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul. I, I can and agree with I, that. I really enjoyed yeah, that fight, too. It's so good. And I don't hate the Anakin Padme thing as much as you do because, canonically, she's only a couple years older than him. It's really not by that much. She was, what did I say? She was 14? And he was 10. So they have this like, like, like cool little friendship going on in this one. I do think it could have been a little bit better if Anakin was just a teeny wit, teeny weeny bit older. But I understand why George might have felt trapped and not be able to do that because Jedi are supposed to be trained young. They even make a remark about that later in the movie. And Padme was supposed to be a queen, so she can't be too young. So there was like a weird like kind of where can we meet in the middle here? And he decided with 10 and 14. I think it is awful how the fan base reacted to this movie. Um, Jake Lloyd's career was ruined. I'm pretty sure he's in jail now. Don't know that for sure. That was the little boy who played Anakin. And Gerard Best, the guy who played Jar Jar, almost killed himself. Like, but I... I love this movie. I don't even hate Jar Jar. I used to think Jar Jar was hilarious when I was a kid. Jar Jar can be a little too much sometimes, but I think he serves a purpose to the film. And that's why Phantom Menace is number eight. Okay. We're down to seven movies left, and I think we have the same seven, well, movies and shows. We have the same seven remaining. So are you we sure are about have, that? I think so. Because we've both said Rise of Skywalker, we've both said Boba Fett, Solo, Clones, yep. Last Jedi, Obi Wan, and Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Dang. So at least our bottom half holds all of our bottom half. Uh, let's see if this continues. My number seven is The Force Awakens. Is your? I'm gonna assume your reaction to me that it's also your number seven. You go first. <laughs> okay. Um, I I didn't hate Force Awakens. It just to me felt like a carbon copy of A New Hope. Um, I didn't like that they killed Han Solo, but I knew that Harrison Ford didn't want to keep doing Star Wars, so I kind of understood it. I didn't really connect with Rey as much as I did Luke Skywalker watching it the first time, but the more um, I sort of watched that trilogy, it, she grew on me. I, 
don't dislike this film at all. It's all other than the fact that to me, it just feels like an exact replica of a new hope just with a new cast. I feel you, man. I feel you. And that is, that is a very common argument. And the reason that is a common argument, because it's hard to deny, but I loved force awakens when it came out. I still, if I can get myself in the right mindset, when I watch it, get goosebumps because force awakens felt like star Wars. It is the only movie out of the sequel trilogy to me that feels like Star Wars. And so it's funny because The Force Awakens makes the other two movies bad. Because so much Agree. was set up in The Force Awakens that could have been great. Like you've touched on it before. Finn got so wasted. Force Awakens loved Finn. He had a very compelling character arc. He learned not to be afraid, to stand up. He went toe-to-toe with Kylo Ren. You could have gone anywhere with that. You could have gone a million different places with that after this movie. But they went nowhere. They just were like, oh, well, we're tired of Finn. Chinese people don't like him, so so we're just not going to have him be a, a big character anymore. And that's actually a real thing. You know, um, Disney likes to sell their movies in China, so they, like, try and meet certain, like, standards, and they didn't like Finn, so that's why he didn't get to be awesome. And other things... People in China are kind of racist, if you didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I loved Force Awakens. I saw it three times in theaters. It's a feel-good Star Wars movie. I think that the way it ended could have sent the trilogy in a pretty good direction, but of course, we didn't go that direction. But and I liked Ray. I liked the mystery surrounding Ray. I I do think she was a bit of a Mary Sue. Um, you know, people make the argument that Luke Skywalker was kind of too. He wasn't. I'm sorry, that's just not even an argument. We we saw Ray doing Jedi mind tricks before she really even knew what the Force was. So she's a Mary Sue. Sorry, guys. But I still think, you know, she could have gone in a good direction. And I think Force Awakens was a good start to this new trilogy. But the problem is the other two movies were not. Yeah. All right. So that leads me to my number six, which is Return of the Jedi. Okay. I think we're going to have some divergence here. I really like Return of the Jedi. And obviously growing up, it holds a special place in my heart because that's where, you know, you see... Darth Vader turned back good. You see Luke win over the Empire. Um, I have no complaints about this movie other than just the fact that the five that I've got preceding it, I think, are just better. I think this is really good, and this is probably the start of my great category. I don't think I've been keeping up with categories like you have because I didn't write them down. Um, But Return of the Jedi is certainly great for me. All right, so we do have a little divergence here. My number six is The Mandalorian. Loved Mandalorian. So good. I mean, I was so, so hyped watching that first episode. I was just... Season one, like, when I think back to it, like, I was just all in on Star Wars, which is crazy because in the middle of season one, Rise of Skywalker came out. So you have some of the best Disney Star Wars content right next to some of the worst. And The Mandalorian just does such an excellent job of exploring things in Star Wars that we haven't seen. I've talked about this briefly with Austin, but Star Wars is best 
when it tries something new. And the Mandalorian was completely untreaded ground. All we knew about it was he was going to be a bounty hunter and he was going to be Mandalorian. And we had gotten a few episodes about Mandalorian stuff and the Clone Wars and Rebels and whatnot. But like it was a largely um, un unchartered territory for Star Wars. And it, it was just great. And then the introduction of Baby Yoda, the mystery surrounding where he came from. God, that was so good. And then season two ups the ante with him trying to find a Jedi. The whole Cobb Vanth and him versus um, the Krayt Dragon was so cool. Speaking of Cobb Vanth, the Book of Boba Fett show should have just been about him because he's an awesome character. Um, loved him. And the whole stuff with Luke at the end could have been better, but like the emotional send-off of him giving Baby Yoda to Luke was so good and that's another reason why i don't like book of boba fett because they just undid that before we even got mandalorian season three so we didn't even get to see like a long-term effect of that on mando but anyway it almost made me cry watching the mandalorian give baby yoda to luke it was just such a good moment so mandalorian is definitely definitely my second favorite star wars thing that disney has made and that is why it is number six on my list yeah, uh, fully agree on Mandalorian. It's a little higher on my list than you've got it. Uh, at number five, I have A New Hope. For nostalgic purposes, pretty much only. It's the first Star Wars that we got. It was an excellent new story. Uh, I obviously didn't grow up when it came out, but you know, you watch that just knowing that it was so revolutionary for its time, and it was just such a great story. We get to meet Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, and you really get to grow up and love these characters so much so that when we see them in stuff like The Mandalorian and Force Awakens, it makes us lose our minds when we see these old characters because they're just they're so great and so instilled in how we see these Star Wars movies and shows today. Um, really love A New Hope. Again, everything that's above this, I don't have many complaints about. There's just things that I like better. All right, so we are diverging a lot right here. Uh-oh. So my number five is Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, for a long time, was actually my favorite Star Wars movie, and we'll get into why other movies have surpassed it, but it's still definitely up there. I mean, like you said, this is what Star Wars is about. Luke reaching vader reaching anakin within vader that is what star wars is about george lucas star wars was about a family the skywalkers and it was about the redemption of anakin skywalker it was about his fall and his rise and that is what this movie gives us this movie is a little silly sometimes with the ewok stuff and whatnot but like it's crazy because you'll be watching one second where teddy bears are beating up stormtroopers and then you go to the next second and you get this awesome scene of Luke just refusing to fight his father and like just refusing to do what the Emperor wants. And I'll say it again, that's just what Star Wars is. It's just feeling the call to the dark and knowing you're better than that and, and resisting it and doing what's right. And it's just amazing. And I, a lot of people hate on the job of Jabba's Palace stuff. I love the Jabba's Palace stuff. Love it. That is a great opening scene in Star Wars, I feel like. It is, in my opinion, the second best opening to a Star Wars movie. I'm interested to hear what your first is, but um, 
I'm sure that has absolutely nothing to do with Carrie Fisher's outfit and the nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all. Mm, okay, um, <laughs> I'll move on to number four then. My number four is The Mandalorian, uh, a fantastic show. I loved every second of watching it. Um, I thought season two was even better than season one. When we get to see Ahsoka again, we get all this stuff with the dark saber, um, and I'm gonna disagree with you on the Luke Skywalker scene. I thought it was perfect. I thought it could not have been done any better. I thought I was losing my mind the entire time watching that scene. Um, but I did almost cry when he gave off Grogu to, to Luke, but just, I think that is one of my favorite scenes in star Wars now, just because of the absolute shock of it happening when it did just an absolutely fantastic show. And I think, it's, it's either one or two for me on what Disney has done. Just like you said, uh, Mandalorian was fantastic. Couldn't agree more. All right. My number four, Empire Strikes Back. Now, I know a lot of Star Wars fans, this would be number one. And I can see why. This is a great movie. Great sequel. You couldn't even... You, could, you couldn't make a better sequel if you tried. Like... It takes the victory that the Rebels had in A New Hope, and it humbles them. They're riding high, and the Empire shows its strength. It shows one thing the sequel trilogies never did. It never made the First Order seem unbeatable and scary. Like it, They made it seem big, but it never seemed like something our heroes couldn't handle. This movie, our heroes are basically, except for Luke, they are on the run from the Empire the entire movie. Just skirting around in the Falcon, hiding on asteroids, hiding out with Lando. They're on the run the entire movie, and they get caught. The Empire catches them. There's no battle to escape. They catch them. Con Solo gets captured. The movie in, ends with one of our main trio of characters incapacitated, and the other one missing his hand. And I grew up with Star Wars, obviously, but to have been in the theater when this movie came out, in the reveal that Dark Vader was Luke's father, I would do anything to like experience that like our parents did. You know? Because that just... It's easy for me to say this because I grew up with Star Wars, but the Vader-Luke relationship is a core part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. But the people watching this movie for the first time, they were just like, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. But then all of a sudden you get this connection and it's just great. It's perfect. I, I love Empire Strikes Back and I love the, the somber tone that it ended on. But you still get a little piece of hope when you see our main what's left of our main cast looking out at the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, fully agree with everything you just said. That's why it's by number three. Um <laughs> I have such fond memories of Empire Strikes Back, um, but one memory that's not quite as fond. I remember Empire Strikes Back, I think, was one of two of the Star Wars that my dad had recorded on a VCR tape. And there was one night when I was watching Power Rangers and I accidentally recorded an episode of Power Rangers over his Empire Strikes Back. And I laugh about it now, but Obviously, at the time, it was not very funny because Power Rangers is not nearly as good as Empire Strikes Back. Um, but yeah, I I think the Hoth scene, I just love it so much. Um, 
And to to start a movie like that, that's probably the best intro for me. I'm I'm struggling to think of another one, but um, that is the one of the best introduction scenes with the is it the Tauntaun or the Wonton or something? Tauntaun. Um, yeah, that and then uh, where they take out the the ATAT walkers, just such an iconic. This, this entire movie is iconic scenes, and I think that's why it's on my number three. Okay. All right. My number three, and in my opinion, the best Star Wars that Disney has given us is Rogue One. No, I think I, probably... before before you continue, I think our number one is going to be the same, and that's kind of upsetting to me. But I think we haven't gotten there yet. But I'm just predicting it's probably the same. It's not. Um. So Rogue One is my number three, and it was the best. Star Wars thing that Disney has given us. I don't know why they had to scrap the the anthology movies after Solo didn't do well because this one did great and everybody liked it and loved it. And I just remember losing my mind in the theater watching it during that Vader scene. This movie made Dark Vader scary, like really really scary. Him just tearing through those rebels in the hallway. That's my favorite Dark Vader scene ever. And him intimidating Krennic when he came to talk to him in his castle, like just casually force choking him because that's what Darth Vader does. Loved it. And I, I liked our band of rebels. People argue that there was too many of them and we didn't get enough characterization and there's some merit in that, but I think we got enough. I think we got, we got a base thing on all of them. And that was, why are you fighting? And I think that got answered for all of them. And we all got to see them lay down their lives for a cause that they thought was important. And I'm actually really excited about the upcoming Cassian Andor show. I think, much like The Mandalorian, there's not a whole lot of legacy characters or anything in that. So it has room to breathe. And it, I think it could be really good Star Wars content. Um, so yeah, Rogue One is my number three. It's just a great movie. And um, it is one of the few Star Wars movies that is not composed by John Williams, but still the music still hits. I can't believe we haven't touched on any of that, um, but I will get to it with these next two movies after this one, with the music and stuff. Um, so my number two is Rogue One. For all the reasons that you said, and then some more, um, I think I've, I've said plenty of times, I hate cliches. And the absolute biggest cliche that Rogue One absolutely just stomped on is that the good guys never die. Because they just, they all went out and they all died um, to save or to send up the, the blueprints for the rebellion. And for me, it's it's the last 30 minutes of this movie that take it from a great movie to almost perfect, but I'll just say excellent for for grading sake um after they all give their lives and they have this really epic battle um it flows right into the beginning of episode four and that to me is just perfect the way that they did that uh i love rogue one i was really excited for what the rest of disney was going to do after rogue one and was very disappointed but this movie just gave me so much optimism yeah, man. Can you remember a time where I remember I was in eighth grade when Disney bought Star Wars and then they come out with Force Awakens. Loved it. 
And then the next movie they come out with, Rogue One. I was like, oh my god, this is great. And then it was just downhill from there. Yep. So, anyway, my number two is Revenge of the Sith. So, Revenge of the Sith is, without a doubt, the best prequel movie. There's no, there's just, there's no argument to be made that it's not. We've, we, oh, and earlier I said that Jabba's Palace was my second favorite opening to Star Wars movie. My first favorite opening is the Battle Over Coruscant. You just immediately get thrown in to this space battle. You get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan at the peak of their powers, just blowing through droids. They land on the ship. You get to see a good amount of camaraderie between the two of them. They're making jokes, but they're staying serious. I love it. When people talk about Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship, I think about the first 30 minutes of this movie. Like, it's just, it nails it. And then people say Anakin's fall was rushed. I don't think it was. I think... Palpatine saw an opportunity. Anakin's emotions were high because of the upcoming baby. Um, and he was able to manufacture a situation to make those emotions higher by putting him on the council, but him getting denied the rank of master. And I think it worked perfectly. And I think the desperation in Anakin's voice after he kills Mace Windu and he says, I will do whatever you ask. I think that is just perfect. And I love the fall of Anakin. And I don't really think I can say anything about the last lightsaber fight that hasn't been said. Earlier I said the duel of fates was tied for number one because it's tied with this one. This lightsaber fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan just had so much emotion and like raw power in it. Like it's just hard to beat. And the fact that Obi-Wan could only win this fight because Anakin was too prideful, too arrogant. That means everything because Obi-Wan's no match for Anakin. The only way he wins is if he outsmarts him. And that's what he did. He let Anakin beat Anakin. And this is probably the Star Wars movie I've seen the most in my life. I watch it all the time. I have a drinking game I play with it where you have to take a shot every meme you see. And it's I've never gotten through it. There's so many. Like, this movie is just fun to watch. Yep. And it's why it's my number one. (laughs) The Mustafar scene for me is peak star wars it does not get any better than that the obviously like you said the memes just watching that movie you're gonna be like oh such a great time um but and this when i was explaining to you my favorite marvel movie earlier this week i used many of the same arguments um for revenge of the sith it's not cinematically the best I'm not even going to pretend that it is, but it's my favorite to watch just as a Star Wars fan because of all that it brings to me sort of on a story level. Um, What you said about the relationship with Obi-Wan and Anakin, Uh, me watching Anakin as a kid and be like, I want to be as strong as that guy. Maybe not almost kill myself trying, but I want to be as strong as him for sure. Uh, Just has always been one of my favorite movies and, is at least at the moment my favorite. So respect, please, please tell me why A New Hope is the best Star Wars because I very strongly disagree with this one. A New Hope is my number one because A New Hope, before it was A New Hope, it was Star Wars. This movie does such a good job of world, bit, world building, it does such a good job 
of setting up this huge galactic conflict and it does such a good job of giving us our first glimpse into the force. When I watched A New Hope, I don't even remember when I saw it for the first time because I watched these movies as a child. So I don't know what it would be like to not know anything about Star Wars and watch this movie. But I do not think that this one is the best one just because it's first. I think it's the best because when I watch it, I get three character arcs. One for each of our trio. That's unheard of in these modern films. I get a meaningful sacrifice where you can feel the weight of the death. I get a very, very terrifying villain. And I feel like in modern times, Disney's afraid to have good villains because as soon as they introduce a villain, they're like, okay, he's bad, but he's like, he's not that bad. No, we get to see that Darth Vader is bad, bad. Like, we, we watched him and Tarkin blow up a planet. Like, we know these guys are serious. We know these guys mean business. And I love the rescue scene on the Death Star. I love when the plan starts falling apart, the bickering between Luke and Han. I just love everything about this movie. This movie is everything that Star Wars is. This is the movie that people copy when they want to make Star Wars. It's just... These, this is Star Wars in its rawest form, and this is this is number one for me. Okay, I mean, I, I don't hate those points. As I said, everything from six up for me was great to excellent and near perfect. Um, so there were just things that I liked about one more than I liked about the other. Uh, but I think we had at least somewhat similar lists. We had the same top seven and bottom seven, which I thought was pretty interesting. And most of mine was just one higher than yours. And you had, well, I don't even remember what it was. There was so much lower than what I had. But yeah, I think it was a pretty good time uh, making these lists. I think we've done well explaining ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the Marvel one next week. Oh, yeah. that That's going to be a long one. It is. A, yeah. We might just do... We might do two, actually. Let's do one well, where we, we review Thor, and then let's do one where we just... I mean, it's going to take over an hour to, to do all of them if we have a description of why we put it there. Yeah. Because how many are there now? 26 or 7. There's a lot. <laughs> all right, yeah, that'll take us a second. But yeah, um, we appreciate everybody watching. Uh, who has been listening thus far. Next week, we're going to be late on our upload. It's going to be Sunday instead of Friday because I'll be out of town. Um, but be be on the lookout for both our review of Thor, Love and Thunder, and of uh, our, our Marvel rankings as we've just done Star Wars. It should be a pretty exciting episode. For sure. You got anything to close us out with, Barrett? I do not. All right. We will see everybody next week. Hope you enjoy your weekend. See ya.